Well, thank you for your prayers, and uh, I, I've had the most amazing world trip. And uh, I, I, I went to Canada, I ministered in a church in Canada there first, a new relationship, a new open door, and it seems like uh, Canada has now opened up for the message of the gospel of the grace of God, so I'll be doing a lot more work in Canada. Then I flew down to spend some time with Terry Law, my mate. And we shared together, ministered together. Then I went down to Rick Godwin's in Tulsa, in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Ministered for Rick there for the weekend. Had a phenomenal week. Then I flew back to Canada. Then I flew to London. Then I flew to Sydney. Then I flew to Adelaide. Where I ministered in a great church there and had the privilege of ministering to 300 pastors for two days. Then I flew from there to Singapore to my mate Joseph Prince. And uh, where on just one Sunday I preached four services there. And uh, it's just an amazing church. And I think in one day with everybody, you know, watching, there were more watching on the screen than live. And uh, in, in the building, the, the most amazing building, there were 5,000 people. So there were more watching on screen than live. So in one day, close to 40,000 people I had the privilege of ministering to. But let me tell you this. It doesn't matter where I go in the world. And, and I'm privileged to preach in some amazing churches. It's like, it's like having a shower in a hotel room. But when I come here, it's like having a shower in my own home. There is no place like home. Give it up for what God is doing here. There's no place like home. And it seems, I don't know, these days, I don't know what it is, but there is a, a, an incredible, strong, prophetic anointing that's come on my ministry. And uh, sometimes I'm sitting on the front row as I did in uh, the pastors over in... Uh, in Australia, and I, 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 I'm very well prepared, as you know, but, but sometimes just five minutes before I get up, the Lord says, shift it. And I love it. I love it. I, I just love it. And, uh, and uh, when I went to Singapore, I sat down, we had some, we had some, we had, me and Joseph sat down and just talked Jesus. Just talked Jesus. And as we were talking, I felt a very strong prophetic anointing come upon the conversation. It happens a lot when me and Dave talk. See, when you talk rubbish, the Holy Ghost is not there. When you talk gossip, he's nowhere to be seen. When you meet with your friends and you slander someone or bring someone down, uh, the whole, you're on your own. But when you talk about Jesus... When you lift up the name of Jesus, that's when he's present. That's when he uplifts and encourages. Can I hear an amen here? And as we were talking about Jesus, this anointing came on me and, and a scripture that came to my mind said, Joseph, the scripture is coming to my mind right now regarding you. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, we know it well, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, the skies opened and the angels declared, a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. 
go to Bethlehem and find out about this wonderful Savior. That's the basic gist. And I said, I said, Joseph, I said, there are lots of shepherds watching their flocks by night in darkness. I was one of those shepherds. And God sent you as an angel. And the heavens opened around me. And you preached the grace, the gospel of the grace of God. You declared that Jesus is a savior and not a judge. He has come to take away our sin, not to rub our noses in the sin. And I, I said, and God, God is going to raise you up. I mean, these shepherds, uh, these shepherds that were watching their flocks by night, the actual lambs they were caring for were the sacrificial lambs for Passover. They were specifically assigned to care for the Passover lambs that would be sacrificed. Where the whole of Israel, would, their sins would be atoned in a day for another year. But the angel said to the shepherds, this is just a temporary solution. I want you to go to Bethlehem to find the Lamb of God who's going to take the sins of the world for all time forever. And I said, Joseph, God is raising you up. I said, I was a shepherd watching my flock by night. I realized that I'd been preaching grace a lot. But when I heard you preach, I realized I now had to preach grace alone. And there are many pastors like me, I said, Joseph, God will use you to light up their world with the gospel of the grace of God. Pray for Joseph Prince, because God has raised him up for this time for pastors like me. Come on, somebody say amen. And in turn, in turn, that's what I'm at the, for the rest of my life. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, Ray, what's the secret of your energy? Do you know the young guys in his church? I preach four times. I'm like a raving maniac, right? And, 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 and I think they, they said to me, Ray, we can't keep up with you. And Joseph said, what's the secret to your energy? I said two things. I don't go to the gym and I eat rubbish. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to live a long life. Don't, don't think, don't, don't let your body tell you. No, my, 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 your body may tell you stuff, but listen, your spirit is being renewed. Yeah. Feed your spirit. Your body will catch up. Amen. Amen. People say, well, you have the diet and go, well, all right. And organic food, it's all organic food. Listen to me. How can egg and chips be organic? I don't know. <laughs> sausage and butter. Or I, I go to the, the fish shop. Can I have organic sausage and butter, please? If it makes you feel better, go ahead. You, you, know, you know where I get my health from and my energy from? From God's supernatural surgery, what we just celebrated. The reason why some of you are not where you should be is because you don't discern the law. It doesn't talk about diet. Tell me when the Bible, when it says, thou shalt diet, that's how you stay alive long. <laughs> or eat organic food. Or let's eat the food that Jesus ate. 
It's a lot of rubbish. Yeah, you've got to be balanced. I mean, I don't go home and just pour down a, a whole two kilos of salt. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we've got a brain to think. You know what I'm saying? Everything is permissible, but you've got to, you know what I mean? Come on, am I, am I under? Just, 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 just take communion and believe it. And then, and then the church, you know, the church, uh, God, God really gave me a strong anointing for the church and I'm preaching in the church and and I said to the church you know people are saying to me Ray uh, I mean it's amazing that you're invited to preach in new creation church in Singapore I mean Joseph only has I think two or three other people and when I go there Joseph stays in the house with his family and just watches one online or something he just says Ray thanks what, a, what an awesome sense to be trusted like that and uh and, uh, and so I'm, and, and they say, Ray, what's the key to new creation church? I mean, and, and I said this, to, and by the way, I thanked them for helping us out financially when we hit a crisis in Jesus cares. I hope we don't mind me doing that, but I thanked them on our behalf. They've stepped in a number of times to help us financially, which many of you know nothing about. And they don't broadcast it, but I tell you, it's just, it just a great, and I, and, 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 and I said to them, people asking me why, and this is what came out of my spirit. I said, Here, here's my answer to people that say, you know, what, what's, what's happening in New Creation Church? And this came out, I said, the, the secret is you can smell lamb here. And he showed me when the children of Israel were camped before Jericho, and they were about to attack Jericho, and the Bible says that Jericho was tightly shut up. They'd already seen the waters close up. They'd already seen the River Jordan just dry up and, and stop up in a heap all the way, 13 miles up to where they crossed, 13 miles up. The Bible says the water stood in a heap at the city of Adam. You see, you know what that's symbolic of? When the ark of God, when Jesus, when the ark of God stepped into the lowest of where they crossed, it's the lowest place on earth where they crossed. And the first first thing into the waters was the ark of the covenant jesus how many of you know jesus always goes before you and when they stepped into the waters the bible says the waters piled up in a heap 13 miles up in a place called adam you see when jesus stepped into death when he took on the lowest form when he took our sin and stepped into the river of sin and death you know what the curse from adam was finally stopped hitting our lives come on somebody say amen and, and we are blessed because of that and, the, and one of the things they did was that they celebrated passover the first time they'd done it in 40 years and i'm sharing this with the church and i can imagine the guards looking over why don't they attack us what's going on here and then all of a sudden one of the guards would say what's all those fires what's that smell the other guard would say, well, it's not me. No, I'm not saying that, but what's, the, what's this smell? And the east wind, and there were roasted lamb all over the plains of Jericho. And the winds would come up and blow the smell of roasted lamb across the plains, up the walls, and into the enemy camp. And it wrought fear in the hearts of the enemy. You know why? Because one guy would have said to the other guy, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. But I know the last time they did this, the whole of the Egyptian army were destroyed in a day. We are in deep yogurt right here. You see, listen to me. And I'm sharing this with the church. 
It's not the smell of sensationalism that brings fear into the heart of the enemy, but the smell of the lamb rising from God's people. The smell of lamb rising from the preaching. The smell of lamb rising from the praise and worship. The smell of lamb rising from our generosity. The smell of lamb rising from our compassion. It's what Paul describes as the aroma of Christ. Pleasing to God, but paralyzing the devil. Can I hear an amen here? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 15 and 16, if you can get that up on the screen. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. Who is sufficient for these things? See, it's not the smell of, uh, of the latest technology. No, no. It's the smell of the lamb. The key to God's favor on that house. I prophesy to them the key. The reason why you, God's using this church to bless the world is because of the smell of the lamb. And I know you will agree when I say to you, uh, the key to God's favor in this house for growth and influence is not the smell of Christian celebrity or, techno or technology or talent. No, it's the smell of the lamb permeating our praise and our preaching and our compassion and our generosity. To some, it will be an offensive smell, but to many like Rahab, <laughs> to many like Rahab, who is just waiting for her deliverance, it will fill their hearts with hope and uh, realizing that salvation has come to their house. Come on, somebody say amen. You see, when the revelation of God's grace, Jesus, when the revelation of Jesus, the grace of God, floodlights our law-based darkness. And the smell of the Passover lamb fills our hearts with hope. When you've been to Bethlehem and discovered a Savior... Someone who takes our breath away. Someone who takes our sin away. Someone who takes our pain away. Someone who takes our... When you've been there, even boring genealogies become alive with the energy of the gospel of the grace of God. And I'm not going to get through all this this morning because the way the Holy Ghost is moving. But are you enjoying it so far? Boring genealogies. And I'm reading this genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. And when you, when, 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 the, when, the, when, when the grace of God floodlights your mind, the Bible becomes alive. And when I read these few verses, I had so much to share, but I'll try and just focus on one or two. And Matthew chapter 1, can we get those verses? Look, uh, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Next one, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her 
who had been the wife of Uriah. It's interesting, he didn't mention the word, her name, uh, Bathsheba, because there's a reason. See, even boring genealogies, that's how the next one, and, and uh, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ, so all the generations, from Abraham to David, are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Now when you read that, when you read that, if you don't read that with the glasses of Revelation on, it's just a boring list. But, but uh, uh, it, uh, uh, when I read this, I've probably got three months worth of Revelation to write down, just reading these so let me just let me just give you what can, can i give you just one or two of these here now, let me show you this this is just so powerful uh, the first thing i noticed about this genealogy is that creation has a greater revelation creation has a greater submission and respect creation has a greater acceptance for its creator than the sons of Adam. See, wait, did you get all that from reading that list? Yeah, yeah, watch this now. See, when you study the whole Bible in its context, that's why it's good to read the whole Bible. Make a plan to read the whole Bible. See, how did you get that? Well, in verse 16, uh, it, says, it says this. It says, And Joseph, the husband of Mary, was the mother of Jesus. And you say, Ray, how do you get, how do you get that out of that? Well, immediately at the mention of those two names together, Mary and Joseph. In the genealogy, it talks about Joseph and Mary. And whenever I see those two names together, imagine, in my imagination, watch this, I'm standing at the door of the innkeeper who refused them a bed. Whenever you, Joseph and Mary, you got all those nativity plays come to your mind. And in my mind, I think I can see them, start, are you, just, a, just a, a, a young couple. Well, she was young. He was a bit older, I think, because he died. Anyway, so they're standing there, and we know the story. And, I, and in my, when I read this, this, uh, this uh, genealogy, I, I, I saw Joseph and Mary standing outside the door who and and unknown to the innkeeper he missed an opportunity to serve and honor the king of kings as he lay hidden in mary's womb so it wasn't just mary and joseph standing outside that door it was mary joseph and the creator and the innkeeper missed it now and my mind just goes, my creative mind just goes wild. You see, for me, at his birth, he was refused a place to lay his head by a son of Adam. But found acceptance and welcome in the shelter of an animal store. And the food trough of a beast. Creation has a greater revelation, submission, respect, and acceptance for its creator than the sons of Adam. First, fish obeyed his command to provide tax money and sustenance for those that followed him. The fig tree withered 
had his rebuke for its lack of fruitfulness. Water blushed red at his bidding and changed its molecular structure, allowing him to walk on. An animal no man had ever ridden subdued its impulse to buck as the Son of Man rode on its back to redeem mankind. Come on, somebody, are you with me here? Even when the secular and religious world shook their fist at their blood-splattered creator, creation roared its displeasure through darkened skies and quaking earth. While the world turns its back on its Savior and says, Stay away! The Bible says that creation groans with expectancy and impatience for His return. Trees clap their hands at the mention of his name. Stones would cry out in praise at his command. Birds respond to his instruction to feed hungry prophets. And donkeys are commanded to speak to rebellious ones. Seas are commanded to open and close at the breath of his mouth. Crocodiles shut their mouths to allow a deliverer cradled in a wicker basket to float on the waters of the Nile to fulfill his destiny. I, 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 I would like to stop there for three hours and just tell you, hey, hey, we are in a hostile world floating along. I want to tell you, God has the ability to shut the mouths of all those uh, come on thing, people and things that will want to destroy you stars are instructed to operate as celestial satnavs to guide inquisitive men to a unique baby one who actually made the wood that cradled his young body one who knew his parents even before they were born. Oh, this got me. And the reason, uh, that's just like, this got me. Even wild beasts bow down and recognize him as king. See, we can learn a lot from creation. And look at this verse in, 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 in Mark chapter 1. Watch this. Now, now this is, the, the, when I'm thinking about, see my mind's gone, and I'm thinking about this whole thing about creation as more respect and submission and honor than the sons of man, just at the mention of Mary and Joseph and all this stuff. And then I come to this verse uh, in Mark chapter 1, uh, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. And the thing that captured me was, and he was with the wild beasts. Now watch this. This would bless you. This is just a little side salad. Are you okay for a side salad? Yeah. So, so, so I, I, he was with, and, and I've always thought that Jesus testing in the wilderness was not only difficult spiritually, but dangerous physically. It's with the wild beasts and the angels came and they protected him against the wild beasts. No. 
I checked out the way it was written in the original and the way it should be read in the original. Do you want to hear how it's read in the original? Come on, is there anybody here who wants to know how it's read in the original? Watch this. This is how it should be read, Mark chapter 1. Immediately, the Spirit thrust him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, and all the time he was being tested by Satan, and the wild beasts were his companions. Now, you need to give praise to Jesus. I, I want to show you something. And the wild beasts, you see, we just, and he was with the wild beasts. <laughs> we think of all that. No, 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 it says, and the wild beasts were his companions. The inference is not danger from the wild beasts, but companionship. The Jews dreamed of the day when enmity between man and beast would no longer exist. And we see it acted out in the life of Jesus before it's happening. In Hosea, there's a scripture that says, On that day I'll make a covenant with all the wild animals, and the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground, so that they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and so on. And then there's another one in Isaiah, and it says this, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them. The cow will graze near the bear, and the cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. And the wild beasts... Recognize their king. The wild beasts were his companions. Here in the wilderness, we have a foretaste of the fulfillment of these prophecies as the leopard and the bear and the lion and the wild boar came to their king to offer him comfort and companionship. But above all, they came to him in the wilderness to give him recognition of who he was. I need you to give praise to Jesus here. I need you to give him a big clap in this house right here. Because we can learn a lot from creation. The violent scars on Jesus' body as he stands in heaven right now were not placed there by wild beasts. They were placed there by fallen man. Man's rejection of his creator are permanently branded on the body of Jesus, but they're also, they're also marks that declare the price for our rebellion has been paid, and all we have to do is believe it. Do we have any believers in the house this morning? Come on, give him another praise. I preach to myself very happy here. No, come on, give him praise. Creation. Creation, creation recognizes and respects. We can learn a lot. Oh, isn't he just a wonderful savior, everyone? Uh, I have to skip a lot of it. I'll, oh, God, it's lovely. Perhaps next time I'll. Okay, here, here, here's, do you want another one that I saw? When I read this genealogy with the glasses of grace on, do you know what it spoke to me? That God uses the most unlikely people to fulfill his plan. 
I think we're all up for that. A genealogy, see, in those days was a declaration that stated to all who read it, this is who I am. Today, if we want to recommend ourselves to others, we list our qualifications, our experience, and our accomplishment. But in Jesus' time, your resume was your family pedigree. Your resume was your tribe. The people you were connected to constituted your resume. And the purpose of a genealogy resume was to impress onlookers, hey, listen, look at the high quality and respectability of my roots. But Matthew does the opposite with Jesus. Jesus' genealogy is shockingly unlike all the other ancient genealogies. To begin with, there are five women mentioned, all mothers of Jesus. And in those days, a woman's name was never mentioned, let alone five of them. And all the women said, Woo! That's why Jesus was born then and not now. <laughs> no, women had no say. But here, in the genealogy of Matthew, the Holy Ghost deliberately puts in what shouldn't be there. God doesn't do things the way we expect Him to do it. Because He's God, and He can mess it up. And to add, to add to the amazement in this genealogy, most of the women were Gentiles. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth are in the list. And uh, two of them are Canaanites and one of them is a Moabite. And to the Jews, these nations were unclean. They weren't even allowed to go into the temple to worship. But it gets worse. <laughs> By naming these particular women, Matthew deliberately forces the reader to recount their sordid past. You can't avoid it. When he mentions the names, your mind goes to their sordid past. Tamar, who's in the list, tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. How many of you know that's not right? That's blatant incest. But she's in the list. Rahab was not just a Canaanite, but a prostitute. She's in the list. And Uriah's wife. Why did the Holy, put, the Holy Ghost put Uriah's wife? Why didn't he just say Bathsheba? Because when, when we read Uriah's wife, we are forced to realize and recount David's plan to commit adultery with Uriah's wife and have Uriah's wife murdered in order to wed her. She is in the list. Hmm. You want to know how powerful the grace of God is? You just read this list here. It was out of this dysfunctional family. <laughs> of course, we haven't got any of them here. We all got it together. <laughs> Fantastic. Look at you, bunch of dysfunctional people. 
Jesus didn't come for those who say I'm well. He came for those who said I'm sick and I need some help here. Am I speaking to the right people here? No, man. It was out of this dysfunctional family and out of that deeply flawed history that Jesus came. And you know what? He wasn't ashamed to say it. Thank you, Jesus. He's not ashamed to call you brother and call you sister and call you friend. I don't care what your family call you. I don't care what your employer calls you. I don't care what your dog does on the carpet on a Sunday morning. I want to tell you something right now. You have a Savior who identifies with you. And he's not ashamed to do so. The lesson is obvious because of the grace of God. It matters not how flawed or failed you are. God can still use you. It doesn't matter how you were born or what family you were born into. He can use you to bring good news to the lost world. You see, under the old covenant, when clean touched unclean, the clean became unclean. But Jesus reversed it. And now, when the, when the clean touches the unclean, the unclean becomes clean. Now, you need to give him praise. I think you're getting this here. Oh, man. Dave, I got a couple of more minutes here. Are you okay for this, guys? No, no. It's not good people are in and bad people are out. Everyone is in because of the grace of Jesus. And it's amazing at the end of David's life, filled with greatness and failure, filled with integrity and sin, because of God's grace, God's final words regarding heaven's perspective on this man's life. You'll find it in First Chronicles 29, and it reads this. I taught, this is heaven's, heaven's stamp, heaven's eulogy of David's life. And we all know what David's life was like. The ups and the downs, the ins and the outs. Look, so he died in a good old age full of days and riches and honor and Solomon his son reigned his place no list of the record of wrongs come on folks I want to tell you something there are preachers going around saying oh when you die every idle word my God I got libraries full of them a video will be shown I want to tell you something as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed my transgressions from me. And I live, I, I live an imperfect Christian life. I live a flawed Christian life as a human having a spiritual experience. But I want to tell you something right now. You know what God showed me once? He said, Ray, why are, Dave said to you this morning, why are you coming to me with that stuff I've forgotten? Because the churchy, we, we are taught that's what repentance is. You've got to rake it up and feel sorry for what you did 30 years ago. And we live with the guilt of it and the condemnation. And I'm well, trying to work this out one day. And, and I started to read uh, Psalm 23. And I, I read it like this. I thought I was suffering from dyslexia. I read it like this. And he leads me in goodness and mercy and follows me in righteousness. And I, trying to, I said, no. And I couldn't get it right. 
He said, no. He said, no, Ray, read it the right way. He said, I said, Lord, you lead me in righteousness and you follow me in grace and mercy. And he said, yeah, you see, as a Christian, I've made you holy. I've made you righteous. You're never going to lose your salvation. You'll always be loved by me. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. It'll never, but as you walk along, your feet will get dirty. You will fail. You will sin. As you're trying to live by righteousness, you will sin. But he says, Ray, look behind you. And as you come to me and say, I'm sorry about, and I'm sorry, and and, what have I got to do? And look at that stuff. And God says, what stuff? And I look behind me and I saw grace and mercy with a dustpan and a brush following me every day. Come on, just wiping up all the stuff. You need to get excited here. You, You need to get excited here. As far as Jesus is concerned, you've got no past. You've only got a glorious future. Come on, man. That's the wonderful message of the grace of God that God can use. That's why he put those people in the genealogy. He says, stop beating yourself up for what you've done and stuff. My blood covers it all. And that's the incentive to live a holy life. I'm nearly finished. Can I do it? Five minutes, Dave. I've got five Are you enjoying this? I'm flipping loving it. All right, last point, last point, last point. Out of this genealogy, it's a declaration of God's incredible faithfulness to fulfill his promise in our lives. Because in verse 17, I think it says, or one of them verses, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations from David until, do you know this is a flipping long time? From David to the birth of Jesus is a long time. But you know what? God fulfilled his promise. This genealogy reminds us his plan and promises took generations to fulfill, but he kept his promise. In fact, in the 400 years before Christ was born, no prophets were sent to the people. 400 years. No word from God. It looked like God had forgotten. And some of you are saying, I haven't had a word from God for a long time. I declare to you, God sent this little hobbit from Langstone to tell you, God has not forgotten his promise to you. Kyle and Helen, four words. Established, rooted, home, loved. Sort it out. Come on, somebody say amen here. Now he's not forgotten. In fact, oh, when I read this, listen. I'm going to wind this up now because I'm going to go into space. Don't judge God by your calendar. He will always burst the banks of your imagination. When it looks like everything is going in reverse regarding your destiny, God in his incredible patience is actually working for your good. He's always working to surprise you. He's always working to surprise you by His grace. That's the whole 
essence of grace, Grace, if grace doesn't surprise you, you don't know what it's about. That genealogy surprises me. It's meant to. For years it seemed like God was ignoring Joseph's prayers, allowing him to experience one disaster after another. But in the end, Joseph stood up and made this statement to the very people who tried to destroy him. You know what? You meant it for evil. That was your motive. But God meant it for my good. Now he can turn the whole thing around. Now God's grace and patience never operates on our time frame. On a schedule we consider reasonable. When you get an arrow, you see a bowman, an archer, and the arrow is meant to go in that direction. But before it goes in that direction, the bowman has to pull it in this direction. And some of you feel like you're going backwards. No, just hang on. I said, just hang on. Because the one who is in control of your destiny has the hand on the flight of that arrow. And coming soon, you're going to realize you're going to reach places that you've never even dreamed that you could reach. No, give him praise. Give him praise. It looks like you're going backward. But surprise, surprise. He's actually setting you up to reach places that you never imagined. I'm, I'm nearly finished. The gen. The genealogy of Jesus is a, a declaration that we serve a patient God who will in his time fulfill what he promised. The first Christmas was the greatest surprise this world has ever seen. This Christmas, God wants to surprise you with his grace. And it will come in an unexpected place at an unexpected time through unexpected people. I'll finish with this, right? I'd said that before, but I am. I'm going to finish with this. I mean, I'm, Dave, I'm in Adelaide. I'm preaching to these pastors in Adelaide. And I, I, they put me a beautiful hotel. I had like, like an apartment. I had a washing machine. Why? I don't know. I had a, everything there. I had, a, I had a cooker. Anyway, it was lovely. And I'm on the eighth floor. I'm on the eighth floor. Room 824. I got my own private balcony. And I'm sitting there. I've been preaching. I come home. I'm having a cappuccino. And I'm sitting there looking up at the Australian skies. Then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there on the eighth floor with my private balcony. I felt something rub up against my leg. So I'm saying, keep calm now. Just... Just keep calm. So then I felt it rub against the other leg. So I looked down, and this is what I saw. Don't say, oh, it frightened the crap out of me. <laughs> On the eighth floor. So I took a photograph of it to show people, just to convince myself I wasn't having a 60s flashback. Now, when you do that stuff, you get flashbacks. A white rabbit. Shut up. So I'm thinking, I'm looking down at the white rabbit on the eighth floor with a private balcony. What? 
Did he ask me the time? Do you know what? Funny you just, Stella, funny you just say that. The thought crossed my mind. So I looked at this, I think, and I'm thinking, no, just hold it together, Ray. The jet lag, it has effects. You took a sleeping tablet a few nights ago. So I slowly got up and I edged my way back into the room like this. Serious. I rang reception. Hello, Mr. Bevan, how can we help you? Um, <laughs> there's a rabbit, a white rabbit on my balcony. There was a pregnant pause. And the receptionist said, okay. <laughs> I said, what do I do? Okay. Mr. Bevan, just leave it there. Just leave it there. He, the guy thought I was... How many of you know that was a bit of a surprise right there? Eventually, a couple of days later, we find out that a couple had broken the laws of the uh, hotel and had a pet there. And there was a little gap underneath the barrier and he's just squeezed under and we needed some company. Even wild beasts. Recognize who you are. Watch this. Musicians just come. Have you received the word? Watch this. Grace, let me make, so I was surprised. Now I know it's not a very good illustration to, to liken grace to a white rabbit on room 824 in a hotel, but watch this. Grace is the factor in my life that causes me to live my life surprised. With all my fears and my insecurities, I'm surprised that God still uses me the way he does. With all my bad decisions and my failures, I'm surprised that God works all things together for my good. With all my refusals to forgive and show grace when I'm hurt or betrayed, I'm really surprised that he always dispenses grace and forgiveness to me. When I want to give up and turn back, I'm surprised that he never forsakes me or gives up on me. When I'm unfaithful in my service to him, I'm surprised that he always remains faithful to me. When I'm at my weakest point emotionally, spiritually and physically, I'm surprised that he chooses those times to reveal his strength. And when I'm surprised that when my humanity screams for sensibility, he gives me the grace to trust him during seasons of vulnerability. This is the God that we serve. This is the grace that we enjoy. Give the Lord some praise in this house. Just stand with me very quickly. Every eye on me right now. You're going to hand back to David just a moment. Look at me. Why live another moment of your life without this grace in your life? If God can use those people, he can use you. And I don't know if you've been to Bethlehem. I don't know if you've knelt at the manger. I don't know if you've received Jesus as your savior. I don't know if you've asked Jesus to come into your life. But please, right now, as you bow your head and close your eyes, 
I'm going to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I give you control of my life. I receive forgiveness for all my sin. Surprise me with your grace. If that's you, say, Ray, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I want to come to Bethlehem. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to say thank you that all my sins are forgiven to him. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your right hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it up high. God bless you. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand up. Come on. Now is the morning to come to Jesus. Yes, God bless you right there. Is there anybody else? Right at the back, yes. Right at the back, yes. There's one there. Yes, right at the back, there's another one there. Come on. People are coming to Jesus here. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Is there anybody else? Say, yes, Ray. I want Jesus. I need the grace of God. Very quickly, if you raised your hand. Very quickly, if you raised your hand. Please give me the honor and privilege of praying for you here. Right here. If you raise your hand, leave your seat and come and stand with me. Come now. If you raise your hand, come and start. Give them a clap as they come right here. Come on, if you raise your hand, come out here. No, man, you want to give them a big, big clap. Come down the front. There's some in the back here. Just come. Let them through. Just face me. No, what sort of clap is that, everyone? The angels rejoice. Come and stand right here. Come to Jesus. Wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, they're still coming. Come on, man. This is awesome. Fantastic. Bless you, guys. Bless you. I'm going to ask you, first of all, let me say, it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing right now. It really does. But you will never regret this decision. I want you to bow your head one more time. Close your eyes. Everybody in the building, along with these people in the front, pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you. My sins are all forgiven. I receive forgiveness of sin in your name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. I love you and I thank you that by your grace, I will live the life you want me to live. And everybody said, I give the Lord a clap.